You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 233, Interviewing the Lineage, Rosalie Principali. Welcome to episode 233 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach Feng Shui online. Check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list. We have a newsletter. We have different opportunities and workshops only for our newsletter subscribers. So you can visit mindfuldesignschool.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up for our mailing list, or you can look in the show notes on whatever podcast app you're listening on. So today we have a special guest and Laura is going to tell us about our special guest. Yes. As Angie mentioned, we are doing a series or a focus on the lineage, our lineage that is our teachers and our students, our teachers, teachers. So we are continuing on today, right? Because we have heard from Catherine Metz and now we're going to hear from our dear teacher, Rosalie Principali. Rosalie Principali is a certified BTB feng shui practitioner, as well as she was the instructor and East Coast program director in BTB feng shui master's training program, where she trained. She was certified, and then shortly thereafter, she succeeded Dr. Edgar Sung on the faculty. Now she resides in, well, she's always now and then resides in New York City. So that's the bio that we found for you, Rosalie. Okay. (laughs) That works. (laughs) So welcome, Rosalie. It's a pleasure. I'm honored to be here. You guys have done a great work with creating a new and updated and modern version of presenting feng shui to the world. Very proud of you. Thank you. Yes, Rosalie is our dear teacher. And we just in case you don't know, we we meet quite often with her once a week. We have an informal session where Angie and I just basically shoot the shit and we hang out and we talk and sometimes we go over, I don't know, things that we have come up with, you know, with clients or students and it's become our regular thing on our calendar and we really enjoy it. So we call it our feng shui lunch. And then today we actually surprised Rosalie and we're like, oh, guess what? Do you want to be on our podcast in about like 30 minutes? Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yep, we surprised her. But you know what? She has risen to the challenge and she is here and she is going to answer the similar questions that we have asked already of Catherine. And we asked or we're asking our teachers the same three questions. And we're going to chat about their unique story with the practice of feng shui and specifically with black sect feng shui, BTB feng shui. So Rosalie, before we get started, do you want to talk a little bit? Well, actually, it probably kind of will be question number one. Why don't you give us a little bit of a background of yourself and you know how you came to the practice of feng shui? Okay, well, I'm a Pisces, so it's never a direct route. (laughs) I swim around a bit, you know? My whole life, actually, before you started with the bio, was very linear almost. I mean, I graduated from high school. I started college, dropped out. Well, this is not linear, but I dropped in and out so many times. It took me 26 years to finish my undergraduate degree. 
somewhere along the line, I was a marathon or two. So I guess I do things in 26 chunks. Uh, <laughs> but I really never heard, well, back when I was on Wall Street, I never heard anything about feng shui, but I was always sort of interested in and embarrassed to say I was interested in astrology. And actually one of my therapists taught us how to douse and I couldn't quite get it. I didn't know if I could trust it. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't believe it. So it's interesting that when I came to study with BTB, that was a big tool that we used. And I'll probably talk more about that later. The first time I even heard about feng shui was back in the, I think it was the 90s. I don't remember, actually. I've had so many decades. I've kind of mixed them up now. But I was studying with Montauk Chia. And because of one of my therapists, so it was the late 80s. And he had a summer retreat every year. And he had a brochure. And we, we always went to his particular classes and stuff. But somewhere in the back, there was something called feng shui. <laughs> I had no idea what they were talking about. I read it. I spoke to people about it, trying to figure out what it meant. But I had absolutely no interest which is funny because I ended up here, right? So that says to me, I, he was not the right teacher for me, obviously, or I would have jumped on it right away. But once I got past studying with Montachia, then I ended up studying with an American doctor who was no longer practicing medicine, but was doing energy healing. So I was always into this other world of energy and feel and touch and stuff. So when I finally heard about feng shui, it was in, right about the time that I got, my whole department got eliminated. So I got, quote, laid off, pensioned off or whatever. And I saw something come up. I don't know how I found it. It had to be from the open center about feng shui. And I jumped on it, went to hear the first intro I'm in a weekend evening intro and stuff like that. And then I just, you know, I just, I just knew I had to go that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I got to feng shui. Now, beyond that, I never thought about a teacher. I was happy if I understood what they were talking about in the classroom, but turns out that one of my teachers, Dr. Edgar Sung, had health problems and he was planning on retiring at some point. And I ended up becoming his teaching assistant, which is a long story, too long for this. But I, I followed a few of the things. And this, I think this may go into the second question a little bit in the sense that what I really learned from him and from, and he, he's the one who taught it to me. So mm -hmm. it was, if you do a feng shui uh, if you have somebody come in and feng shui your home and you use some remedies and you do the three secrets, now, whether you know it or not, the chi has started to move. And once the chi starts to move, don't say no to the chi. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very interesting comment. And then I really didn't understand at the time how often we do that. But mm -hmm. soon after I graduated from my three-year program, one of the students ahead of me, two years ahead of me, came up to me and said, Rosalie, you ready to teach? I went, what? <laughs> I have these classes. I have these classes. I want to give them to you. So my favorite reply to everything was, oh, okay. <laughs> and then put it aside. And then know? figure it out later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to let it, I had to let it weave through me because I was in panic. You know, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't even, I just graduated. What do I know? You know? Yeah. But she called me and, you know, four months later and said, are you ready? And I said, 
sure. (laughs) And she was setting me up for um, a a teacher workshop out on Long Island, uh, like six months in advance. But once I said yes, Mm -hmm. the floodgates opened Mm -hmm. because suddenly another woman got in touch with me who had been on Long Island. She was a graduate of ours who moved to Florida. She said, I've set up all these programs. I can't do them. And the other teacher couldn't do them. So do you want it? I said, okay. And suddenly it was within two weeks, I had to prepare for four evening. Mm -hmm. I was beside myself and everything I worried about just wasn't worth worrying about. It all just happened Mm -hmm. like magically. The cheese started moving. Yeah. And that's it. And, and, and I still get Mm -hmm. the chills when I think about it Mm -hmm. because you don't know how many times I wanted to say no, but Edgar was in the back of my mind saying, (laughs) don't say no to the cheat. (laughs) Can we, can, can I just circle back for a second? So just so some people may not know, Montauk Chia uh, is a Taoist master. And, and so when you were studying with him, you did a lot of Qigong and some of some modalities that are very closely tied to feng shui, correct? Right. And, and, and that's where we first, I first learned about the five elements mm-hmm. as they related to the organs, because that was always part of his meditation yes. was to bring in the light and have it go through and clear any blocks and that kind of stuff. So there were right. excess not, movements that you had to make mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, and the funny thing was, so I really loved Montauk Chia, but I just, didn't feel called to study with him. Yeah. But and I, it, or I, maybe the fundamentals of it, but feng shui is different. is related, but but different. Yeah. 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 How did you meet Montauk Chia? Through my therapist who taught me how to douse. <laughs> oh, could you also let people know who may not know what dousing is? Sure. How would Dow- you define it? Dousing, but the way I would describe yeah. it is dousing is a way of asking a question to yourself and then noticing how your body is responding to it. Now, some people quote douse by just feeling what they feel. That was Mm -hmm. too vague for me. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we used a pendulum. Mm -hmm. And as many times as I tried it before I came to the BTB training, I never felt I was getting consistent answers or even correct answers at all. But in our first year of training, one of my teachers, Barry Gordon, taught us how to meditate, to center ourselves, and then how to take, and and we practiced on one another in class. So Mm -hmm. I had a floor plan of one of my friends, who's friends to this day, and she had mine. And I started dousing and asking the questions he had on a sheet of paper, so I didn't have to think too hard. And I was getting clear yeses and nos, but I didn't trust it. Mm-hmm. So when we swapped again floor plans, at, oh no! First Barry asked me what I got, and when I started telling her all this, she almost fell off her chair. How do you know that? I said I don't know that. My pendulum knows that. Mm-hmm. And and so, just to let the listeners know, something that we teach and that you taught us that we also teach in our program is how to work use yeah. dowsing for feng shui. We won't go into it now. But yeah. you can work that's with... A, that's um, a whole other podcast episode. Yeah, but right we there. can work with... You can use a pendulum to mm-hmm. douse a floor plan. And that's something that we teach our students in our program. But it's something that people have used you know, for centuries to find water and so forth. 
Mm-hmm. Right, the jousting sticks, correct. And and for me, the more you use it and the more you get feet. So I, I started, if it was if I was going to ask questions only about myself, I wouldn't have developed as well my ability to douse. Mm-hmm. But because I was asking for somebody else, for some reason I got clearer answers. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell whoever is listening, the more you practice this and get feedback from it, the better it gets and the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. So we're comfortable with it. Yeah. We've got two teachers here who will teach you all that Mm -hmm. once you join their program. And then can I ask a little bit about your relationship with Edgar? You worked very closely with him. I did. And the funny thing was he was my year one mentor. And I don't think I exchanged two words with him. I was so intimidated by (laughs) by all of them. They were they were such powerful people, you know. But Basically, the way I, I got when I got posted to him is when I got to studying Chinese astrology. Mm-hmm. And bet- between his accent, I think the students had a lot of difficulties. And just in, in general, the Chinese astrology scared everybody. So they mm-hmm. would go into panic mode and then they wouldn't listen. So I became, you know, Edgar, stop. Let me translate this to an English they understand mm-hmm. or stop. Let me check everybody's paper, see if they're following along. It was that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you never told me that. That's how it it's evolved. So it's so there's so much I can't remember it's a, most. It's a of good it. way. It's a good way to learn, though, right? Is really connecting with what you must have been very good at just understanding what he was trying to convey. You two must. It was and obviously he knew that. So which is why you became his assistant. So and he was. I think he was so used to students having a panic attack just being in the classroom mm-hmm. that he didn't prod them at all. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would go over and try, did you understand what he said? Let me try this another way kind of thing. I had mm-hmm. the time to do it and I had the inclination to do it. So well, well, I, would I have to say, sorry, I was going okay. to say when, when I studied, when we studied four pillars with you, there were still students that were terrified <laughs> and Edgar was not there. It was just you doing it. And it was, people were terrified of it. Well, you were so respectful and you, you would always tell us this is the way that Edgar requested. It's not that he told you you had to do it. You, you, you were respectful. You said, this is how Edgar requested. I, I continue these teachings. So, but I'm curious, like, what do you mean panic attacks? (laughs) (laughs) You mean me, what I'm saying? No, no, no. no. Rosalie just said everyone was having, people people were having panic attacks in class. The first thing we do is we overwhelm Chinese characters to them. Mm. (laughs) Uh, That's the first like, what? I got to look at these. (laughs) I see. I see. Overwhelmed. Yes. Overwhelmed. I I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, and sometimes, I mean, I would, I guess I would have done it too, probably if something intimidated me, I'd stay away from it and you can't learn it that way. I I loved that part of like, class. I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay. So back to you. So you continued your studies. You ended up taking on, it sounds like all of these teaching opportunities because you followed the chi (laughs) and you went with it. Or as I like to say, say yes and figure it out later, you stepped up. How did you end up getting to be the program director in, um, how I met you? That's interesting. A year after I graduated, just one year, and I hadn't really done any consultations, my thing always was, I have to figure out how to market myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I put that on the side because marketing terrified me. 
you know, how, how am I going to explain this to people? How am I going to show them that there's some value to this and stuff? So I really never did consultations. What I did was teach. Yeah. So a, a year after I graduated, I really hadn't done consultations or anything. And Edgar's wife called me, Cindy, and said, Edgar needs to speak with you. And she sounded very serious. So I said, sure, whatever he wants, I'm here to help. And he says, she says, good. And she gives me, gives me the phone and she, he says to me, my mother is very ill. She has to go to the hospital. I can't come to teach summer retreat. <laughs> Can you do that for me? And in my head, I said, wait, I went from never doing anything to teaching for an hour, from teaching from an hour or two hours. Then I ended up teaching an intro with Barry and suddenly I'm teaching the summer retreat. <laughs> it was just like, oh, please help me, Lord. And I said, are you going to give me the handouts <laughs> or the material? Oh yeah, we'll send you all the material. So I said, oh, okay, <laughs> and waited to see what happened. Turned out at the last minute, she stabilized enough that he could come. And that's when he named me his teaching assistant. <laughs> so and then it was just a couple, bunch of years that I just you know studied with him. I asked him questions when I had questions and I was prepared to back him up in the classroom or mm -hmm. translate for him or whatever. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he, he also, I mean, besides the fact that you were compatible with him in a, I, in a, in a personality way and the timing worked out, he also looked up your astrology and found that you were compatible in sure. that way. Could you share a little bit since the listeners may well, not know about that? Edgar was born in the year of the horse. I was born in the year of the ram. Mm. The horse and the ram happened to be best friends. So we kind of trust one another, you know. He also obviously knew my entire chart better than I do, I guess, and and figured I'd be good teaching. But he also he saw me teach too. I mean, mm -hmm. I think I think he was just grateful to have somebody that he could because he he had a lot of serious problems at that time, mostly with his eyes and some other health problems too. So he just thought he was going to stop for a short period. And in the beginning, he said. I'm going to teach half as many classes and you'll teach the other half. I said, okay, let's make sure I get the half that I've done some that I know something about. <laughs> <laughs> like when I had to teach face reading. Oh my Lord, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I spent a lot of time on the phone with Edgar and Cindy. At the time he had all the examples and with Chinese faces. I said, can I use American faces or Western faces? And Cindy said, sure. So I created a whole big presentation using Western faces. And every time I had a question, I'd call him up and I'd get back. And, and so I think he knew that he, he also knew from my personality and from my chart that I may say yes, but I don't give up very easily. So I just keep trying and trying and trying and trying until mm -hmm. I'm worn out. And then maybe I say, well, maybe this isn't doable, you know, but mm -hmm. I'm always looking for the way in because I also feel that because I was a student and I was having to navigate these waters and try to figure out how to understand it, it really did make it easier to teach and better to teach. Yeah. So, okay. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, so you consider, I mean, your lineage and your teachers are definitely one that was fundamental for you was Edgar. And you studied within the program with him. You studied with, with Barry as well. And I know you 
with Stephen as well. And then you took on Edgar's teaching because when Angie and I did the program with you, you were teaching all of the material that Edgar was te- had had been teaching, and then he was he was he had he had he was no longer coming out to the East Coast to teach those anymore. So it was really great, and you know, obviously, you as Angie said, you were you taught it the way he wanted it to be taught, which was great. So your experience, you have any experiences with the professor, Professor Lin Yun, that you wanted to talk about or that you remember or fondly, or there's anything that you, because I know you, I know you went into workshops and teachings with him as well through that and, and any experiences there? I did mostly local, but when he was in the New York or when he was in Boston, I loved to mm-hmm. go up to that weekend teachings and stuff. And the only other time was Curacao. I mm-hmm. didn't really travel much because I was so busy with the pro. I was overwhelmed actually mm-hmm. with the program and everything else I had to do. And because I was the administrator, I was in charge of everything. And I whittled that down over time. I found different ways to get things done without me having to have my hand in the in the, in the in the mix kind of thing. But when I think about Professor, I think about a couple of things. And, and one of them was the trip to Coruscant. And I think I might have mentioned this to you guys at one point or another, but Professor has a teaching, and I'm sure Catherine knows this very well, called the Eight Doors. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like an alternative to putting the Bagua on the space. And then there's a, a series of remedies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't get it. You know, but once I, before I go to course, but once I started teaching, it was my first class and I had only about eight students with me. I had a client who was pregnant and wanted me to come and do a consultation because her boyfriend from the West Coast was going to be moving in with her. And it was a very small apartment. And I decided I had to teach the eight doors to that class that Sunday this is Saturday, let's do the eight doors. <laughs> so I kind of, we did it live and off, off the cuff kind of thing. So I told the students, remember your first impression the minute you go across the, the and now we do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? I said, yep. but later then we're going to apply the eight doors. And so I learned things I had no idea at all about. And it came up where it was something about death. I can't remember even what what happened. And I looked at my client and she said, "Mm, yeah, she said, you know, I had my cat passed away and I had her ashes and they're right by the front door. And I said, ashes of the cat are right by the front door. No wonder everybody's picking up death kind of thing. And then the next thing she says, well, I didn't tell you the full story. She said, I wasn't just a massage therapist before this. My my father used to be an undertaker and I used to embalm bodies before and all of my embalming books are by the front door. <laughs> all the students were having heart attacks. And then as one, one other thing she asked me, had asked me about this red carpet. It was beautiful. It was an Asian rug. I, should she get rid of it? Heck no. Let's, what's the problem? Well, bless it. Oh, well, the problem is not only did the cat die on that rug, but it came from the funeral home. (laughs) After that, I had to learn how to do Mm -hmm. the eight doors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the students were like beside themselves looking at me like they knew I was this is my first year of teaching. And like, Mm -hmm. how did you I didn't know anything. I just do. So when we went to Curacao, Professor taught the eight doors and I I raised my hand. I said, Professor, I just want to tell you how valuable that was for me. In this one client, I told him, 
every time another thing about death came up, he started laughing. I thought he was going to fall out of his chair. He was laughing so hard. Um, but it's like these little things that they're teaching you that you think, oh, this is going to be useless. How am I going to use this? I'm mm-hmm. never going to get this. You got to have to try, kind of try. Yeah. Now, with, with me, my intuition is hazy at best. I mean, I know something's going on, but I don't get clear details. So it was helpful for me that I had a class with me mm-hmm. because they would get the details. Once I got them moving down that road, they would suddenly feed back to me. Mm-hmm. And so from the teachers to professor to the other students, we learn so much from each other mm-hmm. because we're all on consultations together. And I always try to get the students to tell me, what do you see here? What do you feel here? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and then and, and there was another part to the story I think that was that for this adjustment so some people don't know feng shui isn't just about like the bagua map and everything but you were asking them to notice how they feel but then everyone was you and ev- was it you or everyone that was saying that they felt death when they moved well they initially said something else which i don't remember and i said hmm i said i got that the chi was dead it was stagnant. It was dead. I was like, I was trying to find words that combined what they felt and what I felt. But ultimately, they all turned and looked at each other and said, you know, yeah, I agree with her. It felt dead. Mm-hmm. So you were able to read the chi of the space using this technique that and you guys all picked up on death, but you didn't know why. And, and then she disclosed all this, all this mm-hmm. stuff. The triple, the three reasons <laughs> we would feel, or four, that we would feel dead energy at the front door. But that I was worried about her because I'm like, is she going to be upset that we're saying this? But she had a grin from ear to ear. Yeah. She thought this whole thing was great that we even caught up on it, you know? So that's funny. Yeah, it's amazing when that those kind of things click like that, when you can, when, and as you said, when you have these sense, you know, what intuition or the feeling of the chi, but the practice that we have is so good because it gives you the parameters, the tools, then the things to check it against, you know, because you can kind of like, you know, if you have that hazy feeling, you can really, there's tools to validate it. And even if you don't have the feelings, the tools take you there. You know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a roundabout way, if, if I do, I have a few more minutes. I want to tell you one other thing that I thought yeah. was important about. Yeah. I had been to a lot of healing centers and stuff like that with a lot of gurus. And I got to the point where I didn't trust anybody because th- there was always something going on. So with professor, I always, I, I was very leery just because he was the next one that I had you know, seen. And I thought, but I'm so drawn to him. And then when my family met him, both my brother and my sister-in-law said, he's the real deal. I'm getting chills now. So months later, I don't even remember when it was, when I was in Boston, he said, if anybody wants to come up and to be, what's the word when they, uh, you become part, part, you become part of their, I'm going to blank on the word, but anyway, you get a blessing and you're going to follow him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, no, I'm not going to do that. But my feet started going, no, I'm not going. <laughs> and my feet started going. I end up in the front on the floor because you're doing the pressed, full prostrations nine mm-hmm. times with your face on the carpet. And at the final prostration, you're out there with just your head down into the carpet, arms out, and he's blessing you and talking to you. And, I, and I'm like, I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I did this. Then all of a sudden he said the magic words in my mind. He said, just because you are taking me on as your teacher, 
I'm getting chills. Doesn't mean you can't take anybody else on as your teacher too. In other words, mm -hmm. unlike all these other gurus I've been to, he wasn't possessive. If you're called to study with someone, go. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about it. All I ask is that you send me a Christmas card once a year and tell me how you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's where he was so- he didn't, ask, he didn't ask a lot of you. He just asked you to, yeah, that's, which is- which is good. <laughs> he didn't ask to give yourself up just to, you know, that he was very humble about it, which is a lovely yeah. story. Yeah. And then I, that's when I said, he's the real deal. He's, mm -hmm. he's the real deal. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I think that's important when you're looking for a teacher, you know, are they supporting you and doing the best for you? Or are they trying to have you support them and make them feel better about themselves? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about, I think that was great. All your time. <laughs> no, that was great. Thank you, Rosalie. And I just wanted to, you know, to wrap up today and where we've talked with, with Catherine, we've talked with you and we're hoping to talk to some of our other teachers over the next few months. It's sort of very fluid and open because, you know, Brangie and I, you know, the lineage is really important because the practice is, it's not ours, you know, it's not, it's not, we're not possessive of it, just like you we were just saying, is because you know, we owe a gratitude to this practice and to our teachers to black sect. And we make a point of making it not about us, but about the teachings, and that you know, that we are one part of a long chain, right? And I think I think it I think it, you know, you you stand on the shoulders of each other, you know. And recognize that a lot of these practices and traditions are from, you know, you know, Taoist Buddhism, Chinese folk, Tibetan Bon, because we've interviewed Rinpoche, you know, before. And this is really, really important for us to, it's, I, we don't want to take, we're not taking ownership of these. We're literally holding them gently in our hands, these teachings, right? Right. And just, right. And, and as you're saying that, I'm getting chills because yeah. it's about passing the lineage down. And you guys have always been so respectful from the day I first met each of you, and I met you at different times. Mm -hmm. There was always so much respect for the tradition and um, and understanding it, not being uh, put off by it because mm -hmm. you understood the, the, the culture behind it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much, Rosalie, for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Rosalie. And thank you listeners for listening to another episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can listen every week for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share it with others. You can subscribe and you can leave a review if your podcast app allows that. And you can always support the podcast by checking out our certification and our courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. You can also sign up for our mailing list. Go to mindfuldesignschool.com. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.